Hi, Green Junkie. It's Stephanie Moram. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Susie Hicks, who is an environmental educator and media maker based in New York City. In her work, she navigates the intersections between entertainment, education, environmental justice, and community activism. She has investigated climate communication for children's media through academics, children's books, and television series. Susie just graduated from the class of climate and society at Columbia University. You can head over to my Instagram at tic- and TikTok at this is Stephanie Moram to follow along my journey. If you want to reduce waste and learn to consume less in just five days, you can binge my complimentary audio series. You'll find the links in the description. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Junkie podcast on whatever platform you get your podcasts. That way you will never miss another Green Living episode. Hi, Susie. Hi, Stephanie. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you for being here. I'm super excited to chat with you today. So again, thank you for being here. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. So my first question is, I know we talked off air and I said a lot of people that I do end up interviewing a lot of the story, you know, it's older, you know, they're usually parents and they're like, okay, I started on this journey because I had kids. And so you're a little bit younger, you don't have kids. So I'm really curious how you got involved in climate change in caring about the planet, eco-friendly, the green, all that kind of things. How did, did, was it, were you a kid and your parents kind of pushed you along or was it you, you know, over time decided, okay, this is an important issue to me. I think it was honestly a little bit of both. Uh, So I was raised in a household where we, we definitely talked about climate change and we definitely were interested in, you know, environmental solutions and living more eco-friendly. But I was raised in the early 2000s where it was very based on individual Mm -hmm. action. And so I was the kid recycling batteries. I was the kid (laughs) like changing the laptop desktops on my, in my middle school. Um, And I thought that if I did that, everything would be fine. And then I grew up and realized that me doing that one thing didn't change the, you know, overarching like systemic issues. And we were still heading in a pretty gnarly direction. Um, And so when I was in college, I went to school for entertainment and I went to my whole life. I've been doing, you know, arts and entertainment. And I thought the two were completely separate. But when I got to college, I ended up working at an aquarium for a summer and realized that the two were completely complementary to each other. So teaching people about environmentalism and the arts and theater and entertainment, those all kind of tied into one. And so in college is when I really got into environmental activism. Um, And then right when I got out of college, I moved to LA uh, where there is a lot of environmental injustice. So I got pretty heavily involved in some environmental orgs there. And that's when I really was like, this is the thing I want to dedicate my life to. And I want to use the skills that I have as a communicator, as an artist to further this mission along. So I wanted to get some cred. So I went to grad school to actually be able to talk about climate science. So now I use the intersections of entertainment and then my knowledge of climate science and environmental issues to teach the future generations. I really love that. So no, I just, I just really love it. Like I think of, you know, my kids, 
this is all they know, right? Like they were born into this mm-hmm. like eco-friendly world because, you know, we compost, recycle, we reduce our waste and all these things. So I'm hoping that like in 10 or 15 years, my kids tell a story of very similar, like, well, this is how we grew up and this is all we knew. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changing. And I think more people are getting involved at younger ages, which brings me to, you wrote a children's book. And I, did. I, would, I would love for you to touch on it. Um, I watched the video about the children's book. The main character is super cute. <laughs> I'd love you to touch on it and just a little bit about why you wanted to write this book and what were kind of some of the lessons that you wanted to come through the book for other people that were reading it. Totally. So I, my primary career is in kids media. Um, and I'm a huge student of, you know, Bill Nye, Steve Irwin, Mr. Rogers, And I'm fascinated with the way that they take really complex, really hard to talk about issues, and they create these palatable experiences for kids to get introduced to them. So Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street, they all talk about (laughs) really hard stuff. They talk about racism and death and community violence in a way that kind of invites the kid into talking about it rather than scaring them away. Mm-hmm. And I realized that there really isn't a lot of that for kids about climate change and environmental issues right now beyond recycling. Right. And so <laughs> it's, I think the great like thesis question of my career right now is how can we engage young people in the environmental movement without scaring them, without guilt tripping them, because nothing that is happening right now is their fault. And by inspiring them to become a part of something bigger. And so almost all of the work that I do centers around that question of like, how can we communicate this really complicated science and also this really heavy social emotional topic in a way that makes them feel like they can do it um, and that they have power and a voice. And so I started with a kid's book because I was a preschool teacher at the time and I was working at a preschool um, teaching science. And I had this student named Zaina who was just the most engaged in all of my science lessons. She was all over my coral reef lessons. She loved learning about amphibians and whales and different animals and how they live. But she also was really interested in the ways that we can reduce our impact. And one day in class, she was like, I'm the queen of nature. And I was like, <laughs> what? So she was cute. like, yeah, I'm the queen. I'm the queen of nature. And I was like, ring-a-ding, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, so through through serendipity and the universe, it turns out that my boss at the preschool was also teaching a children's writing course. And so I approached her and I said, Sharice, I want to write a kid's book about the environment. And Zaina just told me that she's the queen of nature. And so <laughs> I I want to make Zaina the main character. And Sharice was like, that's hilarious. Zaina's mom is actually really into the environment too. So I got in touch with Zaina's mom and the three of us became kind of like this little creative team. Um, and so with Sharice, I, I developed the plot. It was it was overarchingly supposed to be just like an environmental book, but through writing it and turned it into a book about plastic pollution. Um, and so in the book, Zaina finds a giant plastic monster in the ocean, which is kind of an anthropomorphism of the the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Um, so it's just this like gross looking blob of garbage with angry eyes and a mouth that's made out of garbage and plastic. And um, I didn't want to make it so scary that kids wouldn't want to go in the ocean, but <laughs> I wanted to make it like a nuisance problem. So 
the animals are tangled. They're, uh, we talk about bio magnification and accumulation, which is how plastic travels up the food chain. So we do talk about these kind of scientific topics of like when small fish get eaten by bigger fish, the garbage in the small fish accumulates in the bigger fish. And then when we eat the fish, we're also eating that garbage. And through the book, she not she doesn't just try to do the individual action. She does. She's like, you know what? If I clean the beach, everything will be fine. And so then she cleans the beach and then she comes back the next day and there's still garbage. And she's like, hello, what? I cleaned the beach. I thought I was over. <laughs> That's what I've been taught is like you clean the beach and then it's fine. But then we, we introduced the concept of science inquiry of saying, well, now I have this question. Where is the garbage coming from? So she investigates this, which aligns with a lot of like STEM uh, standards and, and next gen science standards that can be taught in schools of saying like, now we have a research question and we have to figure out the answer. Um, so she goes and she finds where the garbage being made. It's being made by this, this fish shop slash restaurant um, that is putting a lot of uh, fishing equipment into the ocean, which is one of the really big problems of plastic pollution, but also with their packaging and their garbage. Um, so she tries to talk to the business owner and he's like, I'm literally doing nothing wrong. I am just doing my job. I'm not, I'm not littering myself. I don't know what you're talking about. If you want to change the regulations, you have to go to the government. So then she goes to the government and the government guy is like, get out of here. I do not have time <laughs> for this. I have so much else that I have on my plate. Go away. And so she's doing everything right, but no one is listening to her. And there is this through line that her friends keep coming in and going, do you need any help? And she's like, no, 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 no. I got this. I am Zayn of the Great. I'm, I'm, I'm alone. I'm good. I can do this by myself. And so after she gets these two rejections, she's like, well, guess I got to go fight the monster. And so she goes and she tries to fight the monster. And obviously she gets stuck and, and can't because now she's trapped in a bunch of garbage. <laughs> and so she has this kind of crisis of confidence where she's like, am I really so great? After all, because when you are fighting up against these systems that are so well established that don't want to change, they make you feel like you're the crazy one. And so she's like, wow, am I actually not as cool and great as I thought it was. And then right as she has this moment, um, she's rescued by her friends who are like, listen, we've been here the whole time. You just had to ask. And so they, um, they divvy up responsibilities. And one friend goes and talks to the business owner. Another friend goes and talks to the politician, gets some policy passed. And then they also have a beach cleanup and they also have um, like a public awareness protest. And so through all of these different methods and all of these different touch points, the monster shrinks because A, the uh, supply of garbage to the ocean is reduced and B, they're cleaning up the stuff that's already there. And so the ethos of the story is that you can't do it all on your own. You definitely need a community and support to help you. And community and support is the way that we can get things done. Believe in yourself because you have so much to offer the world and that change is gonna come from us acting in our own lives and pressuring the world to change. So yeah, and and so I wrote the book, I found an illustrator and yeah, we just sold 500 copies as of a, a, about a month ago. That's a really cute story. And anybody, if you want to buy a copy of this book, they don't, they're not, they like, like Susie said, they, um, they're printing more, but you can get the PDF version and it's $5. I'll have the link in the description. If you want to grab that book and read it for yourself or read it with your kids or your 
nephews or friends or whoever you want to read it with, I'm going to read yeah. it. <laughs> I'm going to read it. I'm going to look at it with my kids for sure. So it's such a cute, cute story. And it's, I love how you, you brought in somebody you knew to play that main character that was passionate about the environment as well. And so that leads me to my next question. So we talk about, you know, the children's book and like the great lessons that are being taught in this book. So when it comes to kids, like, how do you get kids involved in climate change? You know, it's such, like you said, it's such a big topic. Do you start small and just be like, we're talking about green living and eco-friendly. Like, how do you get kids to, to get involved so that maybe when they're 20, 25, they're become activists, you know what I mean? Versus yeah. maybe just not doing anything and hoping the situation just like goes away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fantastic question. For me, there are a couple ways that we like to introduce the topic of climate change. Um, the first way is to get kids to feel connected to nature. Um, and so that, so this is, we're talking like really little kids. So we're talking like preschool age before we really start talking about like greenhouse gases is, is helping them understand that they have a kind of divine relationship to nature and that we are nature. Nature and humanity is not separate. We come from nature and we alter our natural environment. It's not humanity versus nature because that creates this narrative that nature is completely separate from humanity and that the only thing that we can do to it is negative. Whereas indigenous cultures for millennia have taught us that living in relation with the land is actually a really positive thing. So for little kids, it's it's all about showing how nature takes care of us and the way that we get our food and the way that it clothes us and houses us and how grateful we are for it. And then that we can live in reciprocity of saying we, and not in a guilty way, you know, because right. I feel like there is so much com like conversation about being like, we have to be perfect in order to save the world. And it's like, no, if we want everybody to engage in this, it's going to be imperfect because if we want everybody to be completely puritanical with their consumption habits and everything, we're going to get like 10 people who are really into it and 90 people being like, oh, I'm tired. So understanding that imperfection is, is a really important part of moving forward and, and like forgiveness of yourself too. Um, so in saying like, we, we are caretakers of this world and, and we should think in that way. And then getting a little bit more systemic of saying like in the past and currently we are not thinking that way. And that has to do with the energy that we get. So I, I really enjoy talking about climate change and fossil fuels with kids because it's, it's a really interesting scientific topic and kids love dinosaurs. And so there is an antiquated disproven thought that fossil fuels used to actually come from dinosaurs, which is, you know, just for anyone listening, not real. However, oil and gas are created when organic matter is pushed down into layers through sedimentation and it turns into oil and gas. And so it's a fun little prehistoric conversation with kids to say, you know, millions of years ago, dinosaurs walked the earth. They'll be like, yeah, dinosaurs. And you're like, okay, so when plants and animals die, that matter is smushed and smushed and smushed and smushed. And so it's a liquid or gas. And we've been using that to power our homes. And that's how we keep the lights on. That's how we keep heat going. Um, whatever. That's how we drive our cars. Um, and then we can say, however, 
when we do that, there's this gas called carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases um, that are emitted. Have you ever seen like when a fire burns and smoke comes out? Like that is kind of like what happens. And this is creating kind of like a blanket around our earth. And so this is this is a strategy I learned from working at the aquarium is the blanket metaphor is saying that the more carbon dioxide or CO2, if you don't want to be like all technical, the more CO2 we put we put into the air, into the atmosphere, the thicker our blanket gets. And have you ever taken a nap with a blanket on and you wake up, you're super sweaty? Yeah, that's kind of what's happening to the earth. And so because of that, things are getting weird. Things are totally getting weird. And places that normally have a lot of rain are getting a lot of rain. Places that don't normally have a lot of rain are getting dumped on. And things are usually getting wonky. But what we can do is we can move forward and we can find new sources of energy. We already have those sources of energy, but it's up to all of us to convince everyone that this is the way that we need to go. And so it turns from like, if you don't put a mason jar in the recycling bin, you're a terrible person to, <laughs> we have this problem, we have these solutions and you can be a part of it too. And so those are, those are like the intro conversations that we have. And then the next step for me is to get them plugged in somewhere local. So getting them plugged in with a green club or getting them plugged in with the kids chapter of an environmental organization or like really any like a, a parks preserve because then they get to experience it firsthand and also feel like a steward. Um, and I think that is a really awesome foundation for then when they grow up, they're going to be like me nerding out in AP environmental science <laughs> and you know, having their hair constantly in there and then going and saying, oh, I actually have the tools. Oh, and one more thing I know I'm saying a lot is, is <laughs> recognizing that every single person, regardless of their career, their background, their income, their race, every single person has a place in the movement. So I get a lot of people that are like, I work in film. How am I ever going to, you know, help the environmental movement? And we need a lot of filmmaking if mm -hmm. we're going to get people to change their minds. We need people who can make clothing that is sustainable. We need fashion designers to help us figure out how to make sustainable clothing. We need farmers to, to farm sustainably. Every single facet of industry needs to change to be more sustainable, which means every person working in every industry can be a conduit for that. So there's a lot also like a little career readiness for kids of saying like, no matter what you end up doing, you can be a part and you can help change the world. I really like how you explain why like climate change is important. Like you're giving the scientific background was often like I do this as well. I just tell them what they need to do. I don't start right. with why. And I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. Like my kids know we need to compost and we go into details a little bit, but I don't ever sit down and go like all sciencey on them. <laughs> and maybe I should, <laughs> you know, yeah, because I, mean, I think it helps. Is awesome. Yeah, like I think it helps children at such an age understand why they're doing this. Like my kids are like, okay, we're helping the planet by composting. They always compost. Does this go in the composting? We recycle, we reduce our mm -hmm. waste, we buy, you know, we thrift, we buy from sustainable brands. I, mm -hmm. I don't buy fast fashion. And I'm always saying this is, you know, better for the environment. This is more ethical. And I, I go into details on the ethical sides of like how people are mm -hmm. treated. I go, you know, what materials are being used. But I think that like science component you spoke about is just such an important piece to this conversation that we often overlook because we think kids won't understand it. 
Totally. And I think we are underestimating kids a lot. I think we're underestimating their ability to understand the concepts, but also their social emotional ability to handle that kind of information. Because I've heard a lot of parents be like, I'm scared to talk to my kids about this because I'm scared to scare them. However, we're living in a climate changed world already. Climate change is happening. And so if we don't have a healthy intervention point, they're going to see it on the news in a catastrophe. They're going to experience a climate change disaster, or they're going to see misinformation about it online or through conversation. And I love what you said about that, of explaining the why, because it also is a lot about power. And it's a lot about agency for kids too, of they were not responsible for this. So they've been born into this world where the adults already messed it up and they're going to bear the brunt of it in the future. And in a lot of, you know, in school and with parents, kids don't have a lot of power. They're like told to do stuff all the time. And they're like, okay, I'll do it. But I think exactly what you said, explaining why it's important, what they're doing helps them feel like they own it a little bit. And that like, they're choosing to help the world not just because mom says so, but because they're forming their own morals, they're forming their own values, and they're recognizing that this is something that's important to them too. So yeah, saying like composting helps like make the blanket less thick around the world, but it also makes the dirt richer and makes other things grow really well and and they can grow food. I think think that's so awesome. And I think also when you were talking about like the climate change aspect, it's like Mm -hmm. you said, it's, we underestimate how smart kids can be, right? Like I think shielding them from certain things isn't also beneficial either. And I think we have a household where we talk, we want to be open with our kids. And I don't know why I have, like, I talk about climate change, but I haven't, like I said, gone into that science aspect. And I think I just need to sit down with them and be like, Hey, this is why, who knows? Maybe they've already had the conversation at school that I don't know about, but, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I think also, We talk a lot about, you know, we need to compost, we need to recycle, we need to reduce our waste. But I like how you said, bring them back to nature because that will eventually flow to them wanting to compost and recycle because they're going to see the impacts of not recycling composting. So to get them like why nature is important and, you know, getting them involved in, in organizations and start with nature, because if they don't understand why nature is important, why trees are important, why grass and like the circle of life, literally, it's going to be harder for them to be understanding why composting is so important, why recycling is so important, why taking these actions. Because often I'll, I'll, I'll speak to kids and be like, yeah, you know, just bring your reusable mug. And they'll be like, okay, but they don't know why. Yeah, yeah, to bring. Yeah. And I'm like, well, because you don't want to put the cups into the landfill, but if they don't understand the science behind climate change and why it's bad to put your cups in a landfill, then they'll be like, okay, I'm doing it. Cause like you said, my mom told me to, or my teacher told me to. So yeah, I like how you exactly. touch on the nature and the science aspect to move them to understanding all the other stuff. Yeah. I, I there's a quote that I'm absolutely going to butcher right now, but it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, and I couldn't tell you who tells it. So I'm really starting off strong here, but it's something along the lines of everything comes to the earth or everything comes from the earth and everything returns to the earth, either as food or poison. And so reminding, I think, I think breaking down that separation between humans and nature is is really important for kids to be like, Oh, I am nature. And we, you know, we learned that we're animals and everything, but people are like, we're not really animals. We're like the superior beings, but that leads us to think that we can just, 
create and consume with with willful abandon and that nothing's going to happen. But we are living on a planet that has finite resources and we want to be careful with that um, so we can sustain it for the future. And so that's what sustainability means because it, it has become this kind of buzzword where people are like, yeah, sustainable, whatever. But like sustainability really as a word is like being able to sustain life for a long time coming. And, you know, kids are going to outlive us. And so we want them to be able to sustain their own lives too. Right. And this has been a great conversation, by the way. Great conversation. Thank you so much. And I know people are going to be like, where do I find Susie? She's so awesome. Um, I want my kids (laughs) to like listen to her all the time. I want to read her book. Can you let people know where they can find you? And like I said before, everything's going to be in the description, but um, like website, I know you're like Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find me right now is Instagram. Um, it's Susie underscore Hicks underscore climate underscore chick. <laughs> I'm trying to get it changed to the climate chick, but there's, I've been like emailing Instagram, but yeah. So Susie Hicks, the climate chick is what I go by um, for like a lot of the kids media stuff that I do right now. I have a kid show about climate change where we do talk about all the science and we talk about local solutions. So if you're interested in watching that, you can DM me on Instagram adults. Honestly, if you want to like connect with me on LinkedIn, that's chill. I love, I love learning what other people are doing and I love helping people plug in. Um, and I also, let me think, <laughs> you can find my book at zaynathegreat.com, which is Z-A-Y-N-A-B, thegreat.com. Um, and you can look at more of my work at suzyhicks.com. Perfect. And like I mentioned before, everything will be in the description. So if you didn't catch everything, it will be there. So thank you so much again for being here. Really appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. And I just really appreciate you taking the time out of your hectic New York City (laughs) schedule. (laughs) So thank Thank you you for being here. This really made my day. Thank you. More, if you want more sustainable living inspiration, I have a couple of other episodes. Episode 14 is about teaching kids how to adopt a green lifestyle. Um, Episode 49 is conscious and community living with Artie. And episode 64, green lessons from another children's book with Tulani Thomas. Please share this episode with your friends, coworkers, mom, dad, uncles, cousins, seriously, anybody you can think of that you feel would benefit from this episode. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at this is Stephanie Morham. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Junkie podcast on your favorite platform. And you can download my complimentary audio series. Everything mentioned in the episode will be found in the description. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday, Green Junkie.